I guess my question is, is maybe before we get into that, should we um, say who we are? No. No, we shouldn't. We no, shouldn't tell ahead. people like, yeah, like you know, no, our names, our social security <laughs> number. If if you think that is maybe a better place to start, I'm happy to. Do I that. I yeah, think I think maybe we should say who we are. Um, how about how about other, this? How about otherwise, this? you <laughs> you tell people who I am, and I'll tell people who you are. <laughs> oh, this is a bad idea. Um, Go, you start. You start. Okay, so. The other voice you hear on the other end, the less, the you know, the lower quality recording one, is Cameron, uh, my older brother. He's you're what, thirty four? No, <laughs> sorry, you're twenty. He's twenty seven, and he just, as you heard, um, his humble brag was that he just finished his master's degree in history, and he's currently a middle school history teacher, right, and science teacher, I think, right, on the side yep. a little bit. Uh, in well, India, are you in? Yeah. You're not in Indianapolis, are you? Are you? So I mean, I live just outside of Indianapolis, but I okay. teach like right in the heart of Indy. Okay. Yeah, and so Cameron is a is a drummer. He's been a drummer since you were what? Like, uh, ten. Ten. Yeah. And uh, mostly, I would I would define you as a hobby drummer. Yeah, that's like fair. It's not it's not your uh it's not like your you don't have a degree in it, but. Oh, yeah. You enjoy it enough to have just bought a nicer drum set than I own, so and better recording equipment for your drums than I also have. So I mean, hey, that's good. And See, but uh, I, I also have adult job money, right? You're still a student, right? Right. My my money all comes from the government, <laughs> which I got to give back sometime, I guess. <laughs> all right. So uh, I think that that was a very beautiful uh, description of me, Parker. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything mean. That'll come, like, they'll get, later on in the later episodes, they'll start to really learn the disdain I truly do have for you. So. <laughs> All right. Well, the voice you hear with slightly better audio is Parker Stockford. He is my younger brother. He is uh, 25, going on 26. I always get confused by that because your birthday is so close to mine. Right, right. I know, because so for, like, for like a couple of weeks, we're only a year apart. For six weeks, yeah, for six yeah. weeks, which is more than a couple. Um, so Parker is more of a professional drummer than I am, right? You you have actually been doing this for your college degree. You took it way more serious than I did in high school, um, and beat me in competitions, rightly so, I should add. Um, so Parker really knows his stuff when it comes down to theory, technique, quality, um. Parker really knows his stuff about percussion on the wider field, right? I, I tend to know just pretty much drum set at this point. That's all I've really kept up with. Um, and even then, I feel like my knowledge of drum set would only maybe begin to scratch the surface um, at Parker's knowledge. So when it comes down specifically, especially, I think, to the drumming side of music, whatever I say, take with a grain of salt, Whatever Parker says, take for doctrine. I, I thought you were going to say take it worth two grains of salt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anything um, Parker says about yeah. history, math, or grammar, take with a full-on salt lick, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that big brick you put out to attract deer when you're hunting. Yeah, our neighbors down the road who have a bunch of horses have those big salt licks just all over their field. <laughs> oh, oh, and Parker still lives in our home state in, uh, in Oregon. 
Yep. Just You're going back. to Southern. Yeah. So you just started your master's degree last semester, right, at yeah, Southern yeah. Oregon University. Um, yes. And fun fact, we are both uh, undergrad graduates, alumni of Brigham Young University, Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> Parker is a little bit less proud of uh, that than I am. Well, and that's that not necessarily true. That is a topic true, for another discussion. <laughs> that's not necessarily true. Well, yeah. So we'll talk about it some other time. Okay. So back to maybe, what maybe we, said we should maybe <laughs> maybe really quick maybe we should do an episode on our undergraduate experiences. We could, you know, if you because... want to hear more about our undergraduate experiences, call us toll free at one eight eight eight. I'm kidding, we don't have that. <laughs> Smash that like button and throw a comment in the below box. Um, no, but I mean, we went to the in same the school. Below we, box? Yeah, in the below box, what? In the below box, yeah. Uh, okay. We, uh, you, you've never heard some of these dumb YouTubers how they mix up all their words. Oh, I guess man, they it's... have. I mean, Hank and John Green say doobly do. Yep. Yep. Anyway, but it's not. I feel like we went to the same school and we were there at the same time for a portion of it, and mm-hmm. we seemed to have not drastically different experiences, but different experiences. So it might be a cool to compare and contrast yeah. because it still still falls under the mostly music because I got a music degree there so most of my experience well, was with the music department and I had some experience but, with the music department right right I mean so there was, a, there was one point where I was the only person uh, in my unit that was not a music major <laughs> so that was fun <laughs> yeah I remember you telling me all your roommates were music majors and they would say stuff and you'd just be like um Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember one time, because a lot of, several of them would take the same classes together, and they were going through some point where they were getting to, like, um, not just the modern era of composition, but, like, the, ex- not even, like, the John Cage, but the even weirder than John Cage kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be of, Dr. Bradshaw's class. Probably. Um, Shout out to Dr. Bradshaw. <laughs> That was and, actually one of my favorite classes I took, so it was a good class. Well, well, and so one of them, I'm doing my homework, and one of them, one of my roommates is just listening to one of his listening assignments. And another roommate walks in and goes, oh, I see you're listening to Garbage Can in C minor. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, one, uh, there's one piece that's just called In C. In C. And it, <laughs> yes, and it has... 20 different measures but you you repeat so you start at measure one and you okay, just play measure one over and over and over again oh no for and it, and it has time stamps for how long Ugh. you play each of these oh, geez. and they get some of them are really really long some of them are really really short and the weird thing is it can be played as a solo piece but it's also open instrumentation it can be played as uh you know with 20 people 30 people two people that just sounds that just sounds awful <laughs> I, it, it's it's kind of cool I mean, it like because a cool concept, but it, it sounds like it would just yeah. be awful. Well, but here's the thing: so if you play it with more than one person, you have to split up into sections. Um, really quick, I just got a thing on my computer saying my internet connection is unstable, so you may have to do some chopping here. We're back. Sorry about that. Parker lives in a rural area and has god awful Wi Fi. 
And by rural area, he means out in the middle of the woods in southern Oregon. So, and it snowed today, so there was uh, probably yep. some of that going on with boonies the would be an probably overstatement made it a little bit <laughs> or an understatement <laughs> well no i mean no nah. i mean we live we only live like three miles from a town but that town has less than a right. thousand people well hey so... let's jump in with um our topic for today so we because we we discussed you and i are both drummers you're more professional um doing this academically for quite a while um, I'm more hobby, and so um, while I think your tastes, as we talk about this, are going to appeal to the people who know a lot more about what they're talking about than probably I do, I feel like my tastes are going to appeal to the, um, you know, I don't want to say normal people, <laughs> the peons like me. No, I know what you mean, though. Us I know normies. Well, no, it's just, <laughs> I just, I... I think it's just because I'm into the, not necessarily that simplistic is bad, but I'm just more into the the complex side of drumming. And so the drummers that I have picked are um, kind of more into that, I guess, niche era area of like funk, jazz, virtuosic drummers. Whereas Cameron, not that his favorite drummers are not virtuosic or great, they're just more probably i imagine members of yeah definitely bands. more mainstream i think so. for i'm looking at here yeah um i'm looking at my list that i have written down and i i think people are going to definitely know all but maybe one or two of these names um you definitely will know the Wait, groups how many people do you have on? so i thought we were going to do three how many people are, are do you three have on your list complete favorite drummers overall three favorite rock and then three favorite underrated Oh, well, I only came up with three total, but I can come up with some pretty quick. <laughs> All right. So what, what, which category did you come up with first? Just your three favorite drummers complete, like, overall? Yeah, three overall. So I kind of yeah. thought that we would maybe end with that, but do you want to start with that, or? Um, yeah, we, I, we okay. can start with that. Um, well, I mean, I, if you – here, how about you start, and while you're talking, I'll come up with one of my favorite – under like rock drummers okay let's do the rock drummers first and then we'll do we can do it in order like i know drummers <laughs> i know drummers that i like so we can okay we can do this so let, let's do let's, it in order let's start like with the, yeah. the rock drummers and then we'll go into the underrated drummers and we'll end with our three our personal three favorite of all time and if and if okay. you and i agree on some like i i know for a fact that you and i share at least one name on our list um possibly more so i it's it's okay if we share some of that or if these names are in different categories across i think that's fine you don't necessarily have to repeat you can maybe just say here's why i like this person too why they're on my list as well right you know whatever so let's start with three favorite rock drummers and i think um whoo my my top favorite i think rock drummer right now this is something that changes um not super frequently, but often. But I think right now where I'm sitting, my favorite rock drummer would have to be Dave Grohl. Yeah, I can agree with you. I mean, well, yeah, you go so ahead. You talk I just, about Dave I look Grohl. at Dave Grohl, all right? And, and while he's not necessarily doing things that are extremely complex or maybe technically difficult, he's doing things that are very iconic and they're defining in many ways what rock drumming has sounded like since the Nirvana era. If you look at his projects with Nirvana, 
right, completely changed how 90s drummers in the hard rock or rock scene really approached uh, the kit. And that has lasted into the 2000s um, as well as the 2010s. You know, he, he worked with Queens of the Stone Age. He's worked with Tenacious D. Um, he Obviously, Foo Fighters. Even though he's not drumming for Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins drumming with Foo Fighters sounds an awful lot like Dave Grohl's style with these other groups. Oh, yeah. He also played on uh, Killing Joke's second album in, like, I think early 2000s. He played drums yeah, for I'm them. Yeah, I'm not... I don't know if you're familiar with Killing Joke. I can't say that I am super familiar with Killing Joke, um, but I... They're yeah. they're they're an English rock band from like they started in like the late okay. 70s, but they're like a 90s era okay. punk kind of. But they were like the older guys. Yeah, at yeah, the yeah. Time, okay. I know of. what you're talking about now. Um, if I'm if I'm gonna think yeah. more of his, I don't want to say super obscure because I'm sure people know who this is, but um, I would say maybe them crooked vultures is what I would think is maybe his mm-hmm. some of his more obscure work. But even then, I wouldn't say. It's too obscure. Well, he also he also drummed on a bunch of stuff with Nine oh, Inch yeah. Nails. I mean, the guy too. has gotten around in the rock world. For real, and he doesn't just track drums anymore either. Too like he'll he'll track oh, guitar yeah. too. Uh-huh. Like he did he did some stuff with Paul McCartney where he tracked some guitar did, for Paul. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> that was some good <laughs> stuff. Um, sorry. So like, I'm glad that we're talking about Dave Grohl because like. A year ago, I went on this, like, seven-month-long Foo Fighter binge. <laughs> we're like, we almost bought tickets to go see oh, them in Portland. So like, we were going to cool. buy. No, like, listen, we were almost going to buy plane tickets from Honolulu to Portland to see them, stay two nights, that and is then pretty fly cool. back. And when I say we were looking at, I mean I was looking at and didn't tell Jeanette, <laughs> my wife, that I was looking at them. I I was like, she knew that I wanted to see the Foo Fighters and she knew that they were playing in Portland. But I was like, I I almost brought it up to her. I almost was like, so we can get flights for this much and tickets would be this. And we just like, I don't know why I budgeted it out because like this was at a time in our lives where we had like mm, $15. (laughs) Um, So I was just, yeah. So I went on a huge Foo Fighter binge. So to make up for not being able to see them, I just decided to like read a whole bunch about them. They have a couple documentaries about them as well i think i've seen i've seen some clips of those documentaries i don't think i've seen one entire one but i remember seeing clips where they uh they're they're playing at a festival and dave and taylor get like starstruck that the police are there (laughs) and and arguably at that point in time the foo fighters were a bigger name than the police i think the police definitely had that wider long-term pull but you know, it was the early 2000s or something like that. The police were on a reunion tour and they were hitting the same festival scenes that the Foo Fighters were or something like that. And they were just starstruck that Stuart Copeland and Sting specifically were, were in the tent. And uh, I might be misremembering this. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen that, but. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, it, it's good. It's it's worth a watch. It's on Amazon okay. Prime, I think. What's it? What Do you know what uh, it's called or just should I Google it later? Oh. <sighs> Um, here, I'll be, I'll be the Google guy for this. How about this? For this podcast, I'll be the Google guy. Cause I like, I'm super fast at Google. <laughs> you say, okay. Yeah, that's fine. 
when when I have when I have, <laughs> have internet, internet that works. works. All right. So <laughs> would you also put him down as maybe like your number one, or do you want to change your number one and still keep him somewhere on your list? Uh, he, he um yeah, that's hard to. Nah, he's he's not. He, I would say number he's two. number two. Okay. My number one is my number one rock drama is a little obscure. Okay, well, let's hear it. But okay, so my num my number one. Really quick, hang on. Let me find that. Uh, the The documentary is called Back and okay, Forth. Back and Forth. I'm gonna write that. Named down. after their, na- it's named after their right. one of their albums or one of their songs albums. I don't remember. And then they had a TV series called Sonic Highways that was like a docu series, which was also named after one of their albums. Right. So, one of my favorite rock drummers, and I say rock. Because the genre that they play is called oh. math rock. He's the his name is Nathan Nathan Camarena. He's the drummer for Chong, okay. and that guy has some of the quickest feet I have ever really? seen on a rock drummer. He does not use a double Whoa. bass pedal. He only yeah he only uses a single bass a single bass pedal, and he does like threes and fours like like biggie da ba biggie da ba. Like all with one foot, or sometimes I go just That's with cool. his one foot. I don't foot. think I've ever heard of this guy. And and okay, you need to look him up. I'll send you a link or look him up on YouTube. He has a couple of videos with Minel where he played through a couple okay. of their songs. Maybe I have so, seen one or two of his things then. Sorry, he. I think I might have sent you one. Probably, he's really really good, and he uses he just uses a, a four piece kit. Uh. Well, four piece, not counting the ba- the snare right. drum, obviously. Um, and then he just has like a hi hat, two crash cymbals, mm. and a ride. That's it. It's all he uses, and he keeps everything. All his drums are like set really like as tight together as you can possibly get them without them rattling yeah. together. And so that makes for his drum set looks really really small, and he looks like he's not doing much. But you listen to some of his tracks. You should listen specifically listen to the song Sleepy T. That's ringing a bell. Um, yeah, Sleepy T. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and it's four. The band is made up of four huh. brothers. Um, two play guitar, one plays bass, and one plays drums. And they all kind of do some singing here and there. Not all their songs have vocals though. Um, but he's incredible. I, I think he's he's amazing. And he's really young. He's only like he's got to be only like twenty or okay. twenty one. He's younger than I am. Um, and he's just, and I'm pretty sure he's all self-taught too. Like some of these guys, when we get into the, my all time favorite drummers, they've all, most of those guys have all studied right. music. And so this guy for not having, excuse me, um, for not having any formal training, he's like, it's incredible. He's like up on par with like Koba's pot Gitter, who has like no formal training whatsoever. Um, I would say he, I would argue that he's probably even better relatively because being good at drums or any musical instrument right, is relative. all relative. Okay. Exactly. Um, so yeah, his name is Nathan Camarena. Okay. He's I'll really look him good. up. And then, so just to be clear so that we're on track, your number two would be Dave Grohl for pretty much the same reasons. Anything to add? Yeah. 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 Um, I really dig how they've recorded their last two albums on tape. I don't know why I dig that so much, but it's all been recorded on, on tape. Okay. In his home studio. That is, that is pretty cool. They don't do, they, he just, 
Yeah, and so and the cool thing too is like since they do it all themselves, they don't have to a pay for studio right. fees. B he now and since he's under his own, he publishes under his own label, so he doesn't have to pay. He doesn't have to worry about splitting mechanical yeah. royalties. Um, he gets all his royalties and his publishing royalties too. Uh, so he and then they also get all their own performance royalties because they're not right. splitting it with anybody because they publish their own music and they distribute their own music. So that's something I think is really cool. What I, yeah. One of my favorite things about Dave Grohl is that he's like self-sufficient. He's a self-sufficient musician, which is very rare. The only other band really that I can think of that's like that, it would be fun. I think, I think it's, it's getting more and more common, but it's rare to be a, such a huge name. And I think it's because they're such a huge name that they're able to be so self-sufficient. Right, right. That's the thing. So they weren't always right, running yeah, of off course. of their own label, obviously. I got to say, have you seen Bill and Ted 3? So I'm... Uh-huh. Oh, one, it's way yet. better than I expected. I watched it on the flight home from Oregon uh, recently. But <laughs> Dave Grohl has a cameo in it. And it's amazing. I won't spoil it for you. But it's it's just like a <laughs> okay. little... Okay. <laughs> it's... It's funny because of everything else that's going on. It's not like Dave Grohl comes in and may give some comedic genius performance, but it's just like, oh my gosh, there's Dave Grohl. <laughs> Which, well, that's the thing though. He's perf- He's like perfectly capable oh, yeah. of being a comedic genius. That's the other thing I like about him is he's he's like super personable. From what I've heard, like obviously I've never met him or I would have already mentioned that. I saw a TikTok that. the um, other day where it was a clip of like, him and someone had asked him a question. So are, are any of the songs hard or more easy? And he goes, that's a really good question actually. Let me think. He says, yeah, some of them are hard. Well, no, actually they're all easy for me because I'm Dave Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> well as somebody who has tried to learn guitar parts and like i've tried to you know tried to learn guitar parts of their songs and overall i would say an intermediate player would have no problem playing them and that's not a bad thing there are some really really advanced riffs in there uh, especially in their live performances so like they're very very good so yeah he's (laughs) dave grohl you know he can play that so i mean they're easy for him but for some people just some of the the way that they the chord voicings that he picks on guitar can be awkward for inexperienced guitar players so really quick i think if we pause for a second and explain the reason I know that is because I'm not just a percussionist. I'm a semi multi-instrumentalist. So I have dabbled quite a bit into guitar, quite a bit more into bass guitar, um, into some keyboard stuff. But, uh, so yeah. So if you hear me mention, I've, Oh, I've played through guitar parts or I've played through this and this it's because, uh, I had a lot of time towards the end of my undergrad, and so I Weird flex, really kind man. of branched out. So, I've, I've dabbled in this yeah. multi-instrumentalist <laughs> Well, I was just prefacing that. I'm also prefacing that the internet might be failing again soon. Okay. I'm just letting you know. Well, let's while, while we wait on it failing... Let's... Oh, well, I mean, we can go ahead and move on because okay. it looked like it. I was going to say like my number okay. two for favorite rock drummers would have to be John Bonham. Yeah, I mean, I'm not – so I hear people talk about John Bonham a lot, but, like, I'm not super familiar with much of his, like, 
I just haven't really watched okay, much of his stuff, so, so tell me about John Bonham. I know he did that thing where he'll he played well, with yeah, his all hands. Drummers play with their hands I know he did that thing. <laughs> no, but like he played on the drums with his yeah, hands without his sticks. Just to get, you know, a different sound, different tone. But I mean, he's yeah. uh, obviously famous drummer Led Zeppelin, right? One of the if not the most iconic right, right. rock and roll group to have ever existed, right? Um you know, between John Bonham, John Paul Jones, Robert Plant, all of them, they, they've they just got so much going for them. Jimmy Page, right? Just so much talent behind that entire group. But what I like about John Bonham is that he really is that culminating transition from the basic kind of straight eights um, swing era into this straight up, this is rock drumming this is what it's going to be from now on, right? But, uh, he and Keith Moon, I think, are the two that really oversaw that. Keith Moon started out and then passed on the torch to John Bonham, who I think personally went a little bit more hard <laughs> with it. Um, I mean, John Bonham's got some... He... Okay, so that Foo Fighter trip you did for a year, I did the same thing with Led Zeppelin. <laughs> okay, okay. So... Then you might enjoy this book I have. I have a book of, um, it's like twenty of Led Zeppelin's greatest hits, but it's like okay. lead sheets might, yeah. of all of that. So, so it's got um, some of like the sim- like not when I say simplified, I mean like they simplify the drum track or the drum parts and stuff so mm-hmm. it can be charted. Um, so it's like kind of the bare bones thing for the drums as far as that goes, but it ha- it'll have like bass, guitar, and then it'll have like the melody and it'll have all the chord changes. So maybe sometime I might show you some of that book, but okay. But it's a nice book and it's all just nice. Led Zeppelin. So the reason that I like him though is because they, they, <laughs> he is just so solid with his time. Okay. Right, because that was before you could perform live with, cri- right. with a click track. Well, and not even just that. I mean, like, they have songs where John is playing in four, and everyone else is playing in a different, completely different time signature. So, like, Black Dog, right? He's playing in four the entire time, right? It's just this steady stomp beat. And everyone else, the bass, the guitar, that's playing in five at the same time. And it switches back and forth. And while that's not necessarily difficult for us now, that was one of the first times that it was really going on in a popular song. And, I mean, it's not just Black Dog where they do this, too. Um, Cashmere does the same thing. Um, yeah, I think Cashmere is in... There's Cashmere alternates, so, too, I think. I think from 7 to 5. I think so, but I think most of the song is in spots. 3, and he still plays in 4. The yeah, yeah. So that that would be well, three in, or six. Yeah, that's I a, think technically uh, it's in six. I mean, I would feel it more of a, as a three, but see, I'm counting that as six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Four, five, six. Anyway, so I. But if you okay, no, let's let's hang on for a second. If this is gonna be, if you're gonna talk about my theory knowledge in my introduction, <laughs> you got it. Here's how you gotta feel six eight. You feel yeah. the dotted 
quarter note of six days. So you would feel da da da. Uh, so da na na da na. So let me think. So uh-huh. if you if this is the quarter note, right? Da na na da na na. You feel it as da ka da ka That that would yeah, be six days. Yeah, you're right. I da, forgot uh, about uh, that. Uh, 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 I'll readily admit. One, two, three, four, <laughs> or you could go da na na da na na da na na da na na. No, I didn't say that. I, I did. And you I'll said that, not me. That. Um, that was mostly for whoever's listening, if true. they don't know how to count Educational. three and six. You know, I I want I want you guys to all know too that <laughs> I have a lot of trouble. Parker counting, makes it to two, especially and then when he I'm struggles. playing. There's a reason I do so much listening for the pieces that I'm given, so I don't have to count. I know where I'm supposed to All come right. in. So okay, so John Bonham's my number two. Honestly, Dave Grohl's your number two. My number three for favorite rock drummers, I think, would be Chad Smith, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay, okay, I could I could agree with that. I mean, he's not he's not really on my list of my top three favorites. He'd be yeah. in my top five, um, but I can agree with that. What do you like about Chad well, Smith? Other than the fact that he looks like Wilfred. <laughs> um, I I really like his, just his groove, right? I remember I watched this one video um, from a long time ago where he was performing a, a solo at a clinic. And I, I didn't really pay much attention. Ah, uh, yes. The the PASIC solo. <laughs> and yeah, I know yeah, exactly what He doesn't do anything about. but a straight boom chuck rock beat the entire time. You know, that was actually a, you know that, so what that video actually was, was they were doing uh, a little co- a competition, a clinician competition. So after they had all given their clinics, just for fun, they all did a competition with the adjudicators who did the actual okay. drum set competition. And he actually won just from doing his doom. Jack, Jack, yeah, Jack. because yeah. because he so, kept the tempo continue perfectly the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't know if you remember this part about that video too, but there were several parts where he would like yeah. stop playing and then come back in directly in time, not necessarily on right. count one. So he could come. He would come back in on like yeah. the end of three. Or he would come back in on count two, but still in the beat as if, and he would also air drum <laughs> in between not? too. Some like, like sometimes he, yeah, he would totally air drum sometimes, not for all of them. Sometimes he would freeze and then he'd come back in and then, or sometimes he would air drum and kind of rock his head. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good video. That's a, I've, I've so, watched so that video so many groove, times. His feel for time, his feel for groove. I just, I think is really hard to beat. Um, there are definitely some people who, who can, or at least tie him. I think Benny Greb nowadays is up there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to him. Oh, we'll get to him. Um, Don't worry. But yeah, I think, and then also just personal taste, right? The kind of music that I've grown up listening to was heavily influenced by the kind of drumming that I heard with Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, especially like Danny California, um, By The Way, you know, Hump to Bump, this kind of funk rock, and then like a little bit of rap fusion in there was just... They were supposed to be a rap group. Yes. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers were originally. So their their current singer joined as a rapper, didn't know how to sing, learned to sing along the way, and that is why most of their melodies are very, very simple melodies. 
because he does not he does not pretend to be a singer. He'll say that openly, like I'm not a singer. Uh, we just realized our songs needed some melody, and I'm the one with the microphone. So that's why a lot of their verses are mostly rap. You know, I mean, it works really well. It really does. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. Just in the interest of time, your third favorite rock drummer. Okay. Um, Andy Hurley. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, he drummer almost made my top Boy. three list. It was. You know, he almost made it. Yeah. Um. I. I really. You know. He has come up with some of the most iconic punk drum intros and fills um, that there have uh, kind of ever been. You know, like you hear the uh, the intro to. Um, oh my gosh. Sugar, Can't, we're going down. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. I I couldn't remember the the I could hear it in my head. I just couldn't remember the uh, the Brain name. Brain fart. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just really dig him. He's he's got a really good sense of time. Um, and he keeps it simple. Like, and he can play chopsy stuff. He does in his live oh, yeah. performances, and he's he's really good. And he's he he smacks the hell out of those drums, man. I love it. I love it. So. I, I think what is really cool, I mean, I agree with 100% with all of that. And something I just learned about him recently is he is a, a straight-edge punk artist, which means um, if, if you don't know or if anybody else listening doesn't know, he doesn't do drugs, he doesn't drink alcohol, and he's vegan. Yep, he's 100%. You wouldn't know it from looking at him because he drums no, completely he's... shirtless in basketball shorts. He's covered in <laughs> yeah. tattoos. The dude's buff, man. Yeah. He's ripped. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And well, the thing is, so kind of the whole band of Fallout Boy is kind of that way now. Well, um, they were, they were. He's the only one who still is. Um, as, they've as all far kind as, of gone yeah. in and out of it. I mean, they're not, they're not really into drugs, which is good, um, at least currently. Um, right. <laughs> his, I'm looking here about him, and he has a record label. <laughs> it has a really funny name. You might have to bleep it out. <laughs> I, I know you want- what you're talking about. You know, no. you know what the name yeah, of the record I label is. I, I, I mean, I've looked it up, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's a little shocking." Um, so I don't remember it exactly word for word, <laughs> but I, I know. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna say it, and you're gonna just bleep it. Okay. I'll, I'll bleep it out. It's <laughs> city. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going this weekend? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh right. I don't. I don't want to say. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so, Andy yeah. Hurley. Uh-huh. All right, so interest of time. Let's move on. Let's spend a little bit less time on this one because I want to spend a little bit more time with three favorite drummers for both of us. Okay. So let's go on to underrated drummers. Okay. So for me, when I hear underrated drummers, I think drummers that are actually really good that you wouldn't expect either based on the recordings you hear or because you just don't hear much about them. Mm. And so my first one, and this might be a little controversial, but my first one is Larry Mullen Jr. from Really? YouTube. Yeah. Yes. He is rather underrated, isn't he? Yeah, and I'll tell you why I think so. One, he was in marching band for a long time, and so you and me, having been in marching band and, and drumline, um, can relate. But more importantly, that's why so many of their of his drum parts have some amount of a march feel to them because of his you know high school experience yeah and then on top of that um i i think the best drumming 
is when the drums melt into the rest of the music, right? I mean, it's one thing, they can still be iconic, right? But it may or may not be something that you notice, right? I mean, you think about um, With or Without You or Where the Streets Have No Name, you don't really think about the drum part, but if you go and you listen to it and you were to take that drum part out, the song would be awful. It would just not yeah. have that driving energy behind it. And so or I even think, even yeah. Sunday Bloody Sunday is the same way. That's an iconic drum part too. Yes. Yeah. And and so I mean he doesn't have the best feet, and that is something he is extremely open about. He just never really cared to train his his feet. But I get it, it though. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter because the way he plays is so musical with the rest of the uh, with the rest of the group that it just it melts into the music, and that I think yeah. is amazing and a skill that is lost on too many people. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Yeah, feet are hard to develop. You kind of have to work on them every day for multiple hours a day. It's something I'm actually working on right now as part of my private lessons is working on my feet because. Here's the thing. When you're playing a drum beat, it's fine generally because your feet get uh, get some rest time, you know, especially right. if you're just doing like a doom, 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 you know. But if you're doing like a samba where your foot is constantly doing like the downbeat, but also like the the pickup note. So you got doom, 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 doom. And that's really uh, tiring, really hard. And oh, yeah. That's what I'm working on right now, and that's what's kind of helping me develop the the feet. Because feet speed is easy. It's easy to do a quick little, like, double. Right, but it's right? the endurance. It's the endurance factor, and, you know, feet are hard to develop for sure. All right, so your favorite so, underrated drummer, who would you go? Uh, number one. You might not have even heard of him. I'm sorry that I only know, like, okay, I guarantee you've heard his drumming, but you might not have heard, heard of him. His name is Ash Sohn. I've heard the name. I, I, I don't okay. know if I could point you to what he was on, but I've definitely he, heard the name on videos and he stuff. He drummed for Adele. Um, okay. He drums on a lot of pop stuff. So okay. um, yeah. mainly like Adele 21, like her yeah. mm-hmm. most famous album with Rolling in the Deep. Like, you know. Right. So here, I have a little bit pulled up. This shouldn't get us demonetized because he's only, it's only drums and he, it's him playing. But here, I'm not let's worried see about can... B- Parker. We're not even monetized. Okay, cool. I just no or like copyright. I don't know if we're getting in trouble. copyright. I'm more worried about us getting taken down. But if it's just what, him playing, then it's probably fine. What What I like about him is like he's got like wicked chops because he did a Zildjian live video and he's got some like wicked hot licks for real. But like none of his Instagram posts really show those off. He always is just laying down this groove and he actually won a Grammy for best recording, best studio drummer. In, I think, 2016, I want to say. Don't quote me on that, though. So this is like, let's see. Here's one. Oh, wait. No, hang on. That was a weird one. Let's try to find a a normal. He was messing (laughs) with a, he was messing with like a, an echo thing. So let's see what we can get here. And he's, he's kind of, he's not like super old, but he's an older guy. Nice groove. Right? And he's just like right in the pocket. He's got one of one of oh, the yeah. best pockets I think I've ever heard. And he, he so he's British and he lives his drum studio is an old like two hundred year old windmill. 
out in the middle of nowhere that he has sound treated <laughs> and everything, and he just will track all these drums there and then send them Dang. off. So he's drummed for like Adele, he's drummed for Kanye, he's drummed for Taylor Swift, he's done some stuff for Justin Bieber. If you look on his website, he's got a whole catalog of what albums he's drummed on, but like I guarantee you've heard him drum on okay. pop tune, like on pop oh, music. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So Okay, so then so then my number 2, I'm going to say Ronnie Venucci Jr. I don't know who that is. The Killers. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, one, everyone else in the band says Ronnie's the real musician. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's uh, maybe a, um, a red flag, or maybe not a red flag, but that's, that's a good point, a good sign right there uh, when people point to the drummer and say, he's the real musician in the group. Listen to Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I've tried recently to play along to some Killers songs, and it's not like they're necessarily difficult. Right, the, it's it's very much four on the floor pop dance beats, right? But he throws a little things in that if you're trying to play note for note, it's kind of hard. Like he'll be playing this really fast sixteenth note groove and then throw in some like floor toms, and he's got two of them, so he'll throw in the lower of the two and like not miss very much of that 16th note beat and keep going. And his hands just like fly around real fast. And you can watch him live doing this and he'll, he'll be just playing in this groove really strong. And then all of a sudden his hands will just do something and it looks like he's glitching in the matrix. And then he's right back where he was. And you've heard this amazing tiny little fill that the song would not be the same without. And yet, it's just it's it's mind blowing when you actually give the killers a listen and you listen to their drum beat and all the just just the kind of things that he's doing are way more intricate um surprisingly intricate they're not again they're still not crazy right but it's tastefully interesting <laughs> i guess i could say right yeah yeah I, I, can, I can agree with that. I, I, I do like that. And that's the thing, like, the the mark of a good drummer, I mean, everybody can play hot licks. You know, that's the thing. Everybody can have chops. You can have the best chops in the world. But if you don't know how to play musically or play the proper volume to play with other musicians, you're not going to make it. And I will be the first to admit that I play too damn loud. It's uh, something <laughs> I'm struggling with. It's something I've always struggled with, and it's something I'm currently struggling with. Uh, because I'm trying to actually play with other people right now, and it's uh, very difficult. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I can understand. So, like, you gotta have a good sense of musicality to play with other musicians, and you know, he's got that. Oh, he really does. All right, you're number would, two. All right, my number two is John Sugarfoot Moffat. <laughs> Michael you know Jackson, guy? right? Yeah, the famous. He's got the symbols behind him, yeah. dude. <laughs> Bro, that <laughs> that is so cool. So he'll just language. He'll just you know, he'll reach up and just uh and hit those. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. What I like about him, so the reason they call him Sugarfoot is he always when so he started out as a bass guitar player. Um oh. and so when he switched over to drums, he when he was learning kick patterns, he was like these are kind of boring kick patterns. So what he started doing is just emulating the exact rhythm of the bass guitar in every song that he listened to. 
So if you listen to like um Wanna be starting something I think is a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. Or even like um uh Smooth Criminal. Like yeah. he didn't do it so much on, on the the studio version. I mean he did quite a bit, but if you listen to how he plays it live, his his beat is dum you know he does the exact yeah. rhythm with the with the bass and the thing is is he also only uses a single foot pedal yeah and he always wears these fantastic shoes they're <laughs> and always bro oh it's amazing <laughs> vest without a shirt underneath let's be clear about that yeah <laughs> That's the best. I mean, he's got swagger, and he still like he rocks it. But his, I think his... it's interesting how big his set is because you listen to Michael Jackson, and you don't hear these huge fills, and yet he's got this gigantic set that he does use every bit of. Yep, yep, yep. And he had these special cymbal stands, milled, like machined, so that he could have them <laughs> the cymbals behind him, so they're like oh, extra long. Boy. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. <laughs> have you seen his Drumeo clinic? Yeah, I have. He did a whole Drumeo clinic, and then he got some signature sticks made through Promark, right? Yeah. Had them had them make like a thousand pairs, and then was like, mm, I don't want you to sell them anymore. So he only has he's the only one that has his sticks. He still gets his custom sticks. It's a five B, and each end is tapered and it has a nylon bead so it doesn't matter which way you hold it huh. and it allows him it, it's because he likes doing half half stick tricks so like half half rotation stick tricks yeah and so that way he doesn't have to worry about constantly trying to get back to how his stick should be he can just play with the bottom yeah huh that's a good all choice. right you're that number surprised three surprised me but that is a good choice my number three is really hard for me to choose because there's two of them so uh-huh. I'm going to tell you both of them, and then I'm going to make a decision which one I think I'm actually going to talk about. Um, it is Tony okay. Royster Jr. or Brendan Hello. Buckley. Where'd you go? I can't hear you, Cameron. Can you hear me? Did I lose you again? Uh-oh. I can hear you. Cameron, stop talking. I can't hear you. I can okay. you hear me now? Yes, you're back. Okay. Welcome back. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to tell you both of mine. And then I'm going to decide which – actually, why don't you tell me which one you want to hear about, and that will be my number three. Well, I can't tell you which one I want to hear about because I don't know who Yeah, I well, am. I'm saying I'm going to tell you both, and then you tell me which one you think I should talk about. I see. Okay. All right. So Tony Royster Jr. or Brendan Buckley? Tony Royster Jr. Okay. So let's talk about Tony Royster Jr. The guy has gotten around in modern music. He plays for, for Jay-Z, real. for Joe Jonas – Right. Um, He's on tour with Katy Perry right now. And the guy is in tons of stuff. He is all over the place. But you wouldn't know how good he is from his pop music drumming. He's got that solid pocket and he's got that solid groove that you need for pop. But if you go and you watch some of these documentaries that have been made of him, and I know you've seen them. I've watched them with you at a couple of points um, or some of the clips from them, at least just you know how crazy insane his playing is it's super fast it's super articulate it's technically insane and it's just oh my gosh he is yeah amazing he's he's i i would say so more than so he's got what's called gospel chops by the way yeah 
um, lots of linear fills, uh-huh. um, linear drumming. And so like, that's the thing, like linear drumming is super cool because it's, it makes it sound like he's playing all these notes, but in reality, he's mostly, most likely just playing 16th notes, but the way he orchestrates them around the kit is, is extremely, he's proficient right. he's for sure. Like all his movements are deliberate. Um, but those gospel chops are what, are what defines his drumming. Um, and those are really hard to come by. Uh, it takes yeah. a lot of work to get those gospel chops. It really you have does. To have, we have to have really good feet. Oh yeah. More, oh, yeah. more his, over his than feet your hands. Are insane. Yeah. And I, if you just watch, uh, my favorite clip of his is the one where he's got the GoPro attached to his chest or his yeah his chest or his upper chest, and so you can see just exactly how insane his hands are because they're going all over the place, and he is pretty much just doing sixteenth notes or some of the basic rudiments, but. Just them flying around the set is almost alien, how fast and accurate they are at the same time. So your third and final underrated drummer. Okay, my third favorite underrated drummer is going to have to be Terry Bozio. Yeah, he is underrated. He he had like a heyday, and then he's just kind of fallen out. People only pay attention to that gigantic drum set he uses. Yeah, Um, and that's the thing, like, so he's older now. He's like 70 now. So I don't think he's playing much anymore. But um, most of his stuff was with Frank Zappa. Um, yeah. And, you know, he was inducted into the Modern Drummer Hall of Fame. Um, and, you know, he was just kind of a really solid, versatile player. Like, his drum set... I have a, So he used his whole big drum set, too. Like, he it wasn't there just for looking at, but I feel like it that was the reason it might've come about. I mean, I don't know, but like it is pleasing. It's, yeah, no, he definitely, it's pleasing to look at, you know? Yeah. I've seen him in an interview talk about how he wanted to have an awe-inspiring drum set, but then he also wanted to have an awe-inspiring drum set he could use everything on. And so I believe, and I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of that drum set is tuned chromatically and part of it is tuned diatonically. Is that correct? Yeah. As far as I know. So he's got his, so he's got a few different sets of toms. So I'm looking at a picture here. He's got a few different sets of toms. He's got some roto toms and some like regular toms. And so the thing is with tuning roto toms is you can tune them chromatically because they have such a, uh, a short decay. They don't ring out, and mm-hmm. so the resonance doesn't. Um, it's not dissonant, so it doesn't really r- matter much in that frequency. So when he goes to his regular toms is when you're going to want to tune those diatonically, so that way they don't conflict with each other. And you always want to tune toms about. I try to go a major third apart just so that way if you hit them together, you get some sense of, I guess, quote, harmony, even though I don't necessarily tune my drums to a specific pitch, but I tune them a third apart. Um, But, yeah, so he also had all these different symbols that I think he arranged them by pitch, Um, not necessarily chromatically or diatonically because of, you know, symbols don't have necessarily a fundamental pitch, but he arranged them by pitch. Right. And I'm looking at a picture here and it looks like he has one, two, three, four, five, six, six kick drums that you can see. Um, <laughs> Keywords that, that you, you can, can see. see. <laughs> and he's got this huge curvy rack of, for all his symbols. He's got a glockenspiel. Um, oh yeah, by the way, most of his <laughs> symbols that are above him also have smaller symbols stacked on top of them, so it's technically two symbols. Um, oh yeah, gosh. and then he's got like five, four gongs behind it. No, he's got a, a lot of stuff. Um, so, I mean, he's got, he, I think he's definitely underrated, not just as a gearhead, 
but as you know he knows how to use it all i mean and you thought neil peart's drum set from time stand still was huge you know or from not time stand still um clockwork angels tour where he had his yeah. mallet cat and like all that stuff you know i thought that was a big drum set but you know terry the one that rotated yeah and then him. terry bazio is like hold my beer um <laughs> so uh but anyway so yeah terry bazio okay that's that that is a good one i think to transition into our overall three favorite drummers okay and i want to start with one particular one that i know is on both of our list i'm gonna laugh if it's not on both so, of our list well, you told me yesterday that it's on your list. It's uh, Annika. Oh, see, my list has kind of changed, but we can talk about Annika Niles. In 24 hours, your list has changed? Yeah, I did a lot more thinking about it, <laughs> honest thinking about it. So well, let's talk about okay. Annika Niles because she is like – I would say she's tied with with third place, but maybe – So I, my, my three aren't necessarily in any right. order for M- me for this mine... – Because I think they're so all up there for different reasons. It's hard for me to order them. Right, right. I understand. I, I, I'm kind of the same way. So let's talk about. So I, I like, well, one, she's just got some amazing grooves and she has a unique setup, which now that I've tried it several times and I've gone back and forth between, you know, high tom, low tom floor instead of what she does, which is low tom, high tom floor. Um, I like that one better. Yeah. Because my, my right hand can go straight from that high tom to the floor tom. And so I can do these kind of fast, like, drag yeah really fast yeah really easily um and then it also makes me think a little bit more about how i'm doing these fills across my toms you know if i'm gonna just do a straight you know hawaii 5-0 kind of yeah right i've got to think a little bit more about how i want my hands to go um and so it stretches me a little bit it challenges me a little bit but it also pushes me away from some of the standard go-to fills that I find myself trapped in. Right, right, right. What I like about it, too, is that since you have your low tom first, sonically, it's easier to do these lower-sounding, fatter-sounding tom fills. Um, right. And that's really what she goes for. Uh, a lot of times, too, her configuration will include a secondary snare drum where the floor tom goes, and then she'll scoot the floor right, tom. That 14-inch. Yeah, she'll scoot the floor tom back, um, and that one she'll have tuned as like a fatty snare. Um, mm-hmm. And then, or even just as a 14-inch floor tom that happens to have snare lines well, on it. Well, that is actually part of one of my other favorite drummers that we'll talk about in a second. Um, <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about now. So, so yeah, I, I really dig her setup. She's also uh, only use she only uses minor symbols, which are my current favorite brand of symbols, uh, especially because she only uses the Byzance series, which is one of my favorite series. Um, and yeah, well, let's talk about her symbols okay. really quick. I I mean, she is. I've seen a lot of drummers use stacks, but she is the first one that I saw where I saw stacks that I thought. I really enjoyed her use of. And so from there on, I've expanded to some of these drummers I was already familiar with who used stacks. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, oh, I don't like seafood. And then you try a new kind of seafood, and that opens you up to all the stuff that you didn't like before. Yep, yep, right? yep. She does this. She has so a minor trash stack. Yes, That's essentially, exactly it's just that. two trash crash symbols. The minor trash yeah. crash just put together like a hi-hat. And then, and then not just also her 
stacks, but also the um, the ride symbol work that she yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to know? Because I, I uh-huh. go ahead. I well, I like it's it's kind of reminiscent of when I took um, jazz lessons from Doctor Jordan. Yeah. Um, shout out to him, right? Um, one thing that he really drove home with me was not using the ride symbol just to ride, but also to crash on it. But crashing on it not at the edge, but on the bow of the symbol. Yeah. And how you get that extra tone, and she does that in some of the most tasty spots. Yeah. Well, and the thing <laughs> is too, like her ride symbols. So the Minel Byzance Dry Ride. That's a twenty-two uh-huh. inch dry ride. And Meinl has just released this. So for all those listening, I'm also a huge gearhead, so I constantly am paying attention to all the new gear that comes out. Meinl has released this thing called a magnetic symbol tuner, and it's essentially just a piece yeah. of rubber, wrap, uh, a magnet wrapped in pieces of rubber, like it's wrapped in rubber, and you put it, and you can put it, it kind of like mutes the overtones of your symbol, so that way when you crash it, you don't get so much wash. It's mostly a studio thing. Um but you can, if you put it towards the edge, it can make your symbol sound a little bit deeper, fatter. If you put it more towards the bell, it'll dry the symbol up, um, but give you a nice bell sound. So it's it's kind of a it's a really cool little gadget. But she uses one of those now, um, as of recently, and that is what I think also helps her get that nice crash on the on the ride symbol too. Plus, I, another uh-huh. thing that I like about her. No, go ahead. Plus, her, well, I was going to say, say, plus her ride symbol is very well broken in. She's had the same ride symbol for like ten years. So nice. Yeah. So one one thing that I've really liked coming from her recently, and this is um, something that's been really big on her Instagram, is her, uh, her hand technique, yeah. her sticking techniques. She's really been pushing that. I think she just had a book that she came did out, which is a why. new practice pad book. Yeah. Yeah, and it. I mean. I haven't gotten it. I haven't tried it out, but I've seen videos of people um, that she's re- reposting in her own stories or on her own Instagram, and it's just it's it's some interesting exercises. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's mind benders for sure. Yeah, if you're looking for something to challenge so, yourself with the, you know, it's it's interesting to say this phrase to challenge yourself with the fundamentals, but. Right. That's essentially what it is. It's challenging yourself with the fundamental. You take these two different fundamental ideas like, you know, triplets and quintuplets, and then you put them together where one hand is playing triplets and one hand is playing quintuplets, that kind of thing. So, um, I mean, that's just one part of the book. But, yeah, so it's really challenging yourself with the fundamentals when they become too fundamental. And that's what I think is really, really, yeah. really cool that she's doing. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question for you. Is she in your three favorite drummers or no? Um, I'm going to say no. She's not in my list of three that I want to talk about. But she is okay, definitely one of my favorites. Like I find myself watching her videos at least once a week, <laughs> honestly. So. Oh, I'll play, I'll play some of her stuff for my students when they're coming yeah. in or when they're doing independent work because it's – not you know it doesn't have so many lyrics in it so it's easier for them to focus right, right. um but i also enjoy it because i know what's going on exactly yeah. <laughs> okay so then who's the first one you would like to talk about maybe not necessarily your number okay. one but the first, the first one, one i want to talk about is mr stanton moore are you from are you familiar with stanton moore Ooh, yeah okay okay oh oh i'm, I'm familiar probably with the, yeah, the so biggest I, name I, in I, new um, orleans drumming was doing what oh yeah galactic and then also his own independent Mm -hmm. stuff yeah i listened to his albums his solo albums and his galactic albums 
Um, I've got his signature sticks lying around here. I really like them. They're just from the kind of stuff that I find myself playing. They're just a little too thin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I love him. He's got pocket man. And like, Oh, he's yeah. got that bourbon feel like he feels like the way he plays is just so solid but you could tell that he probably drank a couple of bourbons before playing um <laughs> and he's from louisiana he's from new orleans so it's like and that, yeah. that's just how it is yeah. and he's got to be i think oh he's so good he's got a fairly big setup too he generally has you know i think he's got three three rack toms two floor toms two snare drums stanton yeah Moore? dude I've only ever seen him with the one rack and two oh. floor, like your typical oh, jazz oh, setup. Oh, you got to go watch his Zildjian Live video, man. It's 16 yeah. minutes long. <laughs> of course it is. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. But then he's got like two or three pandados. I don't know if you know what a pandado is. It's like a Brazilian um, like a Brazilian tambourine kind of, uh, but it's a lot oh, okay, drier yeah, of a sound. So he's about. got two or three of those mounted. Um, yeah. So, I mean. He's got some really good stuff. He's really, really, really good. And um, so I really like him. He's a powerful player. He seems like a really, really fun person to be around. Very just um, just kind of joyful in, in his drumming. But his his he plays a lot of New Orleans jazz, but he also does a lot of funk. Um, but oh, yeah. he's just got this feel that I've never heard anywhere else for that kind of music. So one of his songs... Um with the group Galactic is in uh, that movie. I think it's called 21. Yep. I'm not sure. It's that Jesse Eisenberg yep. crime, like heist movie. Yep. yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. So. Yeah. Uh, he was promoting that for a while, I think too. He was like, yeah, I remember seeing on his Instagram, he was all excited that one of his songs was in a movie. So yeah, Stanton yeah, Moore. Man. He's one of my favorites. Oh Yeah. He's not on my list for today, but he is also one of my big, big influences. Okay, so the next one I want to talk about, I think, would be Neil Pert. Rest in peace. I can't believe God. Right? I, I never thought God could die. <laughs> See, I think that just between, like, him, David Bowie, Eric Clapton, you know, a couple other other of these big-name people who have, you know, died in the last few years, God's just assembling a super Wait, concert, wait, 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 wait. You know? Eric Clapton died? Did he? Didn't I don't he? I think so. I know Let his son it. died. In a Oh yeah, that happened a long rather time. Rather tragically. Oh yeah. Uh Yeah. No. No, he didn't yeah. die. Who was it that I was thinking that died? I don't know. No, it's someone from the Eagles who That's died. That's why I was like, Eric Clapton's dead? <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Frey. Oh. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah, Glenn Frey, he died. Okay. The other guitarist. The one who the one who actually founded the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that was my bet. Eric Clapton is much alive. Okay. <laughs> he's gonna listen to um, anyway. he's gonna listen to this and be like, what the heck? I'm just joking. Eric Clapton's not gonna <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> you know, watch we'll get emails. <laughs> he was like, hey. Um <laughs> So, um, anyway, Neil Peart, and, oh, man, there's so many reasons to like him, and I feel like he gets maybe, I don't want to really say this, I feel like some people over-talk him as maybe the best drummer to have ever lived, and I don't think that's true, but I think he is ever, he is, like, the technically most skilled drummer to ever play in rock, 
That I I can agree with that. I think the other thing too is there's a difference between iconic and best. You know, and like don't get me wrong. Yeah. That man there are still a lot of uh you know, rush tunes that I can't play, you know. Um Oh, there are rush tunes you will never be able to Yeah, play. exactly. <laughs> and even if you have the charts, which I do for a lot of them. Um and he was just so I think what a lot of people when they say he was the best drummer, I think it he he was just so creative. That's the thing. His oh, his yeah. creativity was so much farther ahead than even his bandmates. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. Well, so they hired him because he was willing to write songs. Yeah, and the other two didn't. Alex and Getty were like, we don't really want to write music. Yeah, Maybe yeah. one or two here and there. He wrote all the and, lyrics and himself. And their songs are tip. Yeah, and that's why they're super libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> he was a huge Ayn Rand fan. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like the trees, you go back and you listen to the trees, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it's just a song about trees fighting. No, it's no, not. No, it's a socioeconomic struggle. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, so have you watched, there's also a Rush documentary on uh, Amazon Prime. Is it? Is it? Is it called 2112? Because I know that um, they've got a lot of stuff under the 2112 name. I, I think it might be called Time Stand Still. They okay. have a few different ones, but the one I'm thinking yeah, of... Yeah, you're right. The one I'm thinking of um, was where he talked about how like they toured with... Uh, what was that band? They toured with another band that they were always going out and partying, and Rush, the three guys in Rush would just sit in their uh, their hotel rooms and read actual books. Like They would always be like, <laughs> Neil, do you want to go party? you want to go for a drink? And he's like, um, no, I'm... I'm okay. I'm just going to stay here. And he would have a glass of wine and drink his er, and read his book, you know? Yeah. And like, I mean, they called him the professor for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was incredibly <laughs> intelligent. And, and, um, he was also surprisingly, you wouldn't get this from any of his interviews. <laughs> He's an extremely emotional person too. Oh yeah. Well, the whole, um, ghost writers, that song, but also the album that it's on is, um, in many parts of it about the death of his wife and daughter. I was just going to bring that up. You know, yeah. Bec- yeah. Cause he, he stepped away from the band oh, for a while. He, didn't, and he did this long motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. Tour. So in that documentary I was watching, I was talking about that. They, they talk about that quite a bit. He, yeah, he didn't just step away from the band. He kind of dropped off the face of the earth without telling anyone. Well, he told them that he was going to be gone, but he didn't tell anyone really what he was doing or where he yeah, was going. So he anything. spent, I think it was like three years on the road and he would just every once in a while they would just get a postcard from him, you know, of where he's been. But he, yeah, he went on a really long motor motorcycle tour, just kind of finding himself. And yeah. I mean, Hey, when you got millions of dollars and you're a famous musician, that's no problem. I'd love to go on a, well, and, you know, one of those trips. <laughs> well, and the song ghost rider is about that. Yeah. Trip, yeah. Yeah. You know? And it was funny too. Cause like um, he then, he didn't do any drumming on that trip at all. Obviously he's not going to take a drum set with him on a motorcycle right. trip. Um, and <laughs> especially so not his, right. Especially not his. And drum so set. <laughs> when he came back, he talked in that documentary, he talked about that. Uh, there was a little bit of a struggle there getting back into drumming after those couple years off. Um, he oh, dealt bet. with a lot of pain in his hands and his wrists. Um, which is understandable, but well, and that's part of the reason why he uses oak sticks too. And Larry Mullen Jr. Going back to him also uses oak sticks because you get some of the heft, but you don't have to work your hands as hard. Right. Um, it's a denser wood. It's a denser, yeah. heavier yep. wood. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's talk a little bit more about um, one of the big reasons that I think is 
one of the big things I think is cool about him. Probably the biggest drummer flex is the wood his drum set is made out of. I know. <laughs> this, like, fossilized oak tree pulled out of a river in Romania that he happened to hear about on the news. It's not fossilized because it would be stone. Right. People are going to get at me for that. But it's like this hundreds of years old, almost a thousand year old tree pulled out of a river. He just happened to see it on the news. And he was like, that's going to be a drum set. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Yeah. Um, I think, but yeah, I mean, I could, I could talk for ages about, I, I think as far as I know, I think Getty Lee is currently in possession of that drum set. That would make sense. Getty Lee has got this room of bass guitars, by the way, where he has all the different colors of each bass guitar that he uses. So he generally uses a Fender jazz bass, particularly right. one Fender jazz bass that he bought in like, uh, a pawn shop for 50 bucks or for, as like, no, it was like 500 bucks which normally those jazz basses are, you know, kind of expensive. But he picked it up, and right. he is, and he, they, and Fender has made the Getty Lee signature bass, but they cannot dial in exactly that instrument, you know, that he found because the one that he found, the neck on it was, a, was not the same neck that came on it. Whoever previously owned it had replaced the neck. And so they've never, and that neck is just one of a kind. So they've never really been able to fully replicate it. But anyways, that's beside the point. They're all particular about yeah. their instruments, except for Alex. Alex oh, is just like, give me a Les Paul, please, and and he played it. You know. <laughs> so. All right. So your next, your next top drummer. I'm gonna go with Larnell Lewis. I knew, I knew it when you talked about that big fat snare yeah, with Monica. Yeah. I knew you were gonna talk about Larnell. Larnell Lewis, the drummer for Snarky Puppy. Among other things, but yes, probably his, most his, notably yeah, Snarky Puppy. His main puppy. thing is Snarky Puppy. Um, that man, oh boy. So let's talk about his snare drum real quick. He, it's literally just it's just a 14-inch snare drum. Um, hang on. I'm going to pause for a second. Jake was right behind me drinking out of a water bowl really loudly. Um, <laughs> so Larnell Lewis, he, uh, his snare drum, it's just a, four, a regular 14-inch snare drum that he is uh, – it's a he got this idea from uh Robert Sput. Um he's a, also a, another funk drummer. Um but Larnell Lewis has really kind of dialed it in. What what it is is just a 14-inch snare drum with a floor tom head. And he has tuned it um so that when the snare is off, it sounds like a fully deep floor tom. But when he turns right. the snare on, and it's a deeper drum too, isn't it? It's like a six and a half inch. Uh, I think it's a or an eight I, inch. I want to say it's almost a ten inch deep. It's it's okay. a pretty deep snare wow. drum. I mean, ten inch a ten inch deep. That's not. I mean, wait, maybe not ten. I think it is an eight. <laughs> okay, that's a little more believable because that's like your pork pie, you know? Yeah. Big fat snare. Well, not big fat snare. That's a different thing. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so it has a, a floor tom head on top, and then he has. He has this uh, quick-release snare clutch system. Mm -hmm. So that way he can turn it on and off really, really quickly. Um, And uh, so that drum, it sounds beautiful. He he did a a Drumeo clinic where he explained what it is, but he did not share any secrets as to how he tunes it. He keeps that a secret (laughs) because it sounds amazing. It really does. And it's just on a regular snare drum stand. And it's just in, you know, and then he has his regular actual floor tom next to it um but what i like about larnell lewis even more than that is his feet that man 
Oh, I know yeah. I said, uh, who was it earlier that I said had great feet? Uh, was Nathan Camarena. The, uh, yeah. Larnell Lewis's feet are even crazier. He's got, he can do, he only also only uses a single pedal. There was one video, uh, his, all, I, so I watch a lot of the Vic Firth Live and the Zildjian Live videos. And in his Zildjian Live video, he did this thing where he did, I think it was a, a seven note, like seven sixteenth notes on his bass drum. But it was just the bass drum. So he was playing all these hot licks. And then in this moment of silence, he just went with just his foot that fast. Uh, I have a little clip of it. I'll send it to you. But um, it's incredible. It's crazy. So Larnell Lewis. And he's he's one of the most musical drummers I've ever heard, too. If you listen to his his drumming on uh, the snarky puppy music. So on his, on the, on the tune Shofukan on, uh, Lingus and we like it here. Those three tunes are the ones where you hear some of his most musical drumming. Um, and he's very good at opening up space and closing that space. So he opens up space by doing stuff on the cymbals without bass drum. Oftentimes he'll do some crashes and rolls and stuff on the cymbals to open up that space and then close that space by bringing in his toms and his drums and then keeping that groove going. So he's very good at opening musical space for others to play and then deciding when to close that. Um, So he's, he's definitely on my top three. He's amazing. Oh yeah. He, he is so good that he's beyond my ability to really comprehend it. Yeah. Which is why he's not necessarily in my top. You three. should, you should really watch his drumio clinic. His drumio clinic. I is, did. I, I've seen, I've yeah. seen, uh, well, he's done two and I've seen, I've seen both actually, the one, but the one that I've watched multiple times is where he talks more about leading your fills with your kick. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say he has one about feet. Yeah. Leading fills with your kick is, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So then, I'll do my last one, and then we'll we'll have you close us out with yours. Okay. Um, I mean, mine's got to be Buddy Rich. Yeah, he was an asshole, though. <laughs> you know, I've heard that um, that is over exaggerated. Uh, I mean, I've heard the recordings of him <laughs> being <yeah. laughs> being that, but I've heard from people um, who supposedly know people who played with him or read books about it is that he he was fine until you weren't doing your job or he thought you weren't doing your job yeah yeah (laughs) no yeah you're you're absolutely Um, right there i mean he definitely did kick people off the tour bus threw symbols at their (laughs) heads you know that kind of thing he threw a symbol at charlie parker's head (laughs) but you cannot deny how good that guy is and i think any list of top drummers that doesn't have buddy rich on it is incomplete. Yeah, you know? yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, he's he's not he's not a drummer I think about often, um, which is ironic because I uh, use his signature sticks every day. Um, I mean, yeah, they're not I my, they're not my go to sticks, but they're some of my they're some they're one of my good favorite pairs. Um, well, and I like that he he's just one. He's so virtuosic, right? There's there's nothing in jazz that he could not play. Right, right, and. The myth, I don't know if it's real or not, so you can maybe confirm or deny this, but the myth was that he never actually practiced outside of performance. <laughs> There's no way. I don't believe that. I I don't believe it either, but I've seen it on multiple sources where people will say, yeah, he was just naturally that good. I, like, mean, mm, I mean, he definitely... You, you don't play singles that fast and not practice Exactly, it. I was going to say. I mean, I don't <laughs> doubt. I do not doubt that he had 
so much natural talent, much more than most. Yeah. But no, nah, he he definitely practiced outside of <laughs> outside of rehearsal. Maybe not nearly as much as the rest of us humans need to, but um I would say yeah, he definitely had to do some rehearsing. Like there's no way. Granted his his yeah. band rehearsed every day for 3 or 4 hours a day, so at some point that becomes enough. Right. Yeah. Like for me, like I am at the point where I practice so much throughout the day that I warm up in the morning and then I don't warm up anymore throughout the day between, you know, even if I take a break for an hour or two, my hands stay warm enough that like, I don't really practice in the sense of like, I don't practice so much my single strokes anymore. I don't practice so, cause I'm in so many rehearsals all the time now that I'm not really having to do fundamental practice on some things. Let me make that clear. My drum set is still, I'm still, that was really humbling by the way. Recently in my last lesson, my teacher was kind of like, okay, well I can see that there's some, he said it more politely than this, but he goes, I can see that there's some fundamental things that we need to work on. And I'm just like, dang it. I'm a grad student. Um, but you know, I've been playing for 15 years. Uh, but you know, uh, so that's a little humbling, but I, I can understand why people would say maybe he didn't practice outside of rehearsal. Um, because to a point, you know, it, it'll get to a point where you don't need to, you know, right. especially cause he wrote and arranged most of his tunes for the, for his big band. Yeah. So he knew them, he knew the kicks, he knew where everything was, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you that buddy rich is definitely, I would say one of the greatest drummers that ever lived. Well, he's gotta be, yeah. I mean, he, he defined how the drum set was set up, what kind of drums and cymbals you use. Um, you know, how you play. He was a big proponent of traditional grip to the point where he like straight up talked bad about it all the time. And yet you can see him using match grip <laughs> fairly frequently. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's just got so many things that he has influenced so many people over the course of the history of drumming. Um, and I know a lot of people will come at me and say, oh, but Gene Krupa at the same time was so good. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. Gene, Gene Krupa is great. I love me some Sing Sing Sing, but like he's not Buddy Rich. Yeah, and like, <laughs> okay, here's the thing too. This is going to be really bad, but at the time, Buddy Rich was really the only, okay, you may have to edit this out, but there's a very big difference between white people jazz and good jazz. <laughs> We're just gonna move on. I'm not gonna let you finish. I, no, that. that's, all that. that's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Buddy Rich was the person who bridged that mm -hmm. gap. That's all I'm gonna say. That's right. why I, I have so a thing against, against Gene Grupa for that. But <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, so let's hear your and close this out with your favorite, you are, your last, your top. You favorite already know who it is. <laughs> I do know who it is. Benny Graham. Which is why I left him off. And that's why I left him off my list, because yeah. I knew you were going to talk oh. about him. That's the only reason he wasn't on my list. Mine Bruter, Benny Greb. <laughs> He's not your brother. Dude, I wish he was, though. <laughs> I wish you were not my brother, and I wish <laughs> that Benny Greb was my brother. Um, oh, great. No, so Benny yeah, Greb. Thank you. Okay. Love you, too. Benny Greb. He is a German drummer. The king of groove. Yeah, he's from, the king of from groove. Stuttgart, Germany. Um. He is definitely okay. So he has. I know you said Chad Smith has an incredible sense of time, but Benny Greb has one that is even. I have never seen. No, there's nobody that is comes even close 
to his sense of groove I think the difference is, is Chad Smith's sense of time, you can tell, is learned. He's put in so much time and practice, yeah. and but you can still tell it's learned, which isn't a bad thing. You can see the skill and the time and the effort he's put in. Benny Greb seems like he was born with a metronome in his chest. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, yeah. Like, <sighs> Benny Greb will turn the metronome off because it's imperfect. You know, like... <laughs> So I played one of his tunes on my senior recital. I played Grebfruit. And when you purchase the drumless tracks for that, he will send you a drumless track with a click, a drumless track that is panned, so click in your left ear, track in your right for performance, so that way the audience Mm -hmm. just hears the track, but you still hear the click. And then he also sends you one that has no click. Um, And he plays with his own tunes without a click because he doesn't need a click. <laughs> he is the click. Even on some of these tunes, like he has a tune called Next Question where he has this long drum solo and he has a lot of space in it. And there's a part where the brass comes back in for a couple hits, like a nice, like a one, two, four, one. And he knows exactly where that is without the click. Granted, it's his own oh music, gosh. so he knows. But like... If you go right. listen to his version of, uh, it's called I'm Tweaked slash Attack of the 20-Pound mm-hmm. Pizza. Yeah. That one, it, he always has uh, an eighth-note click you know, chick on his hi-hat, always. He's, if he's not playing on a closed hi-hat, it's always going to be an eighth-note. Keep beating that eighth-note. And in that song, he does these things where he'll do metric modulation. So he'll be playing in 4-4 and then add a bar of 3-8, but keep his foot still doing the eighth note. So the rest of his body is playing an eighth note behind the the hi-hat, but the hi-hat is still perfectly in time. And that's something that um, Neil Peart was really good at, too. You know, he would play like two or... I think there's even a, a song where he played three different time signatures at once, or one of his solos. Yeah, um, yeah. That could be BS, I, but at least two for yeah, sure. Yeah, and so he does, and so and then it'll get back on the click too, or back on the hi hat, yeah. like on the downbeat. And but he'll keep it the same, so you can hear it's like. So if this is the downbeat, it'll be like. It sounds like it's off. But it's like the downbeat is an eighth note or a sixteenth note even off. So, yeah. but then it gets back on. It's it's very very it's incredible. So Benny Greb, not just for his sense of time, but he has some of the best chops I have ever oh, yeah. seen. And he uses one tom and one floor tom. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, he gets so much out of that simple setup. Well, it, it's insane. And the weird thing, too, is he does the the two extremes. His rack tom is a 10-inch tom. or maybe, Yeah, 10-inch rack tom. I think it's an 8. No, it might be a 9. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that small. It's just, I'll I'm pretty it sure it's a 10. But he uses a 16-inch floor tom. Yeah. And... Oh, it's just amazing. And he also is a user of the Mino Byzan series. All of his symbols are custom. Uh, his ride symbol he's had for the last 25 years. Same ride symbol. Sounds great. Sounds nice and broken in. Um, he's got a few different concept symbols that he runs. But um, he does this thing where he'll start slow and it'll go right. And he'll do it with his. Okay, excuse me. 
he'll do it with his double bass. So he'll go right, right foot, left, left foot, right, right foot, left, left. And he'll speed up doing just alternating 16th notes like ja, gum, ja, gum, ja, gum, ja. And then it'll get to the point where he's going, you know, he's playing 16th notes with his hands going cha ka 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 But his feet are on the offbeat. So he's getting a with his feet on the offbeats. Yeah, that's that and is it's insane. like it's incredible and just how he is able to just command the attention of his audience. He's just so energetic, so powerful. So he's a huge inspiration to me. Um, he's actually inspired me to work on. So one of my main projects that I'm working on as part of my master's degree is something that he does with. Um, he kind of not necessarily got tired of, but had trouble dealing with other musicians and their schedules and being reliable and all that. So he decided to just start singing all the parts himself rather than hiring other musicians to play the parts. So he has two albums that are all acapella singing with powerful drum set underneath. Yeah. And so that is a project that I've taken upon myself because he's the only person that has done that. And that is a really cool concept to me. I was in acapella groups in high school and I've done some singing, you know, quite a bit throughout. I'm not as good as I used to be because I'm way out of practice, but, um, that's a project I'm working on, and he and I have, have we haven't spoken, but we've emailed a few times, and he sent me an audio message on his kind of process with that, so that was really cool. So um, he's just doing some incredible things. He just came out with a new book, too, called uh, Effective Practice for, Inst- for Musicians. Yeah. Um, and it's, ha- it's not just about drums. It's how to master your instrument whatever that may be. So he's also a multi-instrumentalist, by the way. He's a fantastic vocalist. Um, he has an album called Brass Band, and he played all the brass for it. He plays trumpet, trombone, and tuba. Uh, he plays keyboards. Um, so he's not so much a guitar player, but he's extremely multifaceted and definitely my favorite drummer of all time. Oh. Uh, and he has been for a nice long while. Oh, he's and that very, is very good. a well-earned position, I think. I agree. I agree. So I, I did look it up. Um, it is a 10 by 8 inch tom so you're yeah. right yeah then he's got his 16 by 20 14 I think. 16 Four. by 14 by 14 yeah so yeah all right well this has been a great talk parker uh anything you want to say before we leave before we head out um no i think i'm good this has been mostly music And there's no good way to do an outro. Oh, except for this. We're still recording. Cameron's probably listening back to this. And I'm making sound waves so that he'll have to scan through it and listen to it. Um, And I'm really going to say nothing of interest other than things like, um, I don't know. Now all of a sudden when I have to say something uninteresting, I have nothing to say. It's funny how that works. I say I have nothing to say, yet I'm still talking.